Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. This morning uh, is the third of our relationship series, and we're talking this morning about money. And look, I want to say that whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're dating, uh, no matter what age or stage you're at, learning to work with somebody around money in a relationship is hugely important. In fact, a lot of people say that money is one of the top reasons that people end up getting divorced. So it's a huge factor in us learning how to live our lives well and learning in a relationship how to communicate and how to get along on this crucial topic. You know, Jesus actually talked quite a lot about money. He didn't avoid the topic. And so I think it's really great that we can bring this topic into the context of church and relationships this morning. So, you know, money is something we all place value on. And in fact, we're deeply concerned concerned about where our money goes and what happens with our money. You know, we work hard to get it. We're not going to be disinterested in finding out where it goes. You know, we probably have some very strongly formed opinions, some strong beliefs. We probably actually think about money probably more than we realize. But money is given to us, and it can be a blessing. When we work hard for it, it can be a blessing to fulfill what God has for us Or in fact, it can cause us major problems if we don't handle it with wisdom and we don't handle it with grace if we're in a relationship. So actually this morning, I have some money here, here with me. It's not a lot, but it's some. But what I would love is, is there anybody here this morning who would like some money? Okay. All right. Would anyone like some money? Uh, Yep. You're not very very vocal here, but um, oh, there we go, there we go. Okay, this lady up there in the middle, can someone please, oh, thank you, Ben. Ben, you can run her up the $20. Anybody else want $10? Oh, over here in the blue, over here. So someone can run that. Thank you, Andy Coyle. Um, There you go. Well, be blessed. Be blessed. Now, what are you thinking right now? What are you thinking right now? (laughs) Keep going, somebody said here. I'm sorry if you're linking and you're not actually getting the money, but, you know, better luck next time. But, you know, maybe some of you in this room are thinking, man, I didn't really think she was going to give it away. I thought she was just going to make a fool of me. I wish I'd put my hand up after all. Some of you are thinking, whose money did she give away? Some of you are thinking, If she's going to give money away in every service she's in, how much money is she going to give away all day and what does that add up to? Some of you are thinking, what is that person who got the money going to do with that money? And some of you are thinking, what would I have done if I had got the money? Some of you in this room are thinking, I can see the point she's trying to make by giving the money away. I'm already ahead of her on this message. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, it's okay that I didn't get the money. It's not very generous. I couldn't have done much with it anyway. And some of you are thinking, wow, that was really generous. Man, I could have bought some lunch after church and perhaps I would have bought fries. (laughs) I say that to say that we actually all relate to money differently. We all think about money differently. Just in this room today, you would have been thinking something different even as I gave the money away. You see, we are all on a different wavelength when it comes to money, but the truth is that we have to get on the same page. We have to get on the same page, and especially when we're in a relationship. It can be a great challenge 
it can be a great challenge when we are not on the same page. You know, I want to talk today about how money impacts our relationships. And I've got seven uh, thoughts and principles that I want to give us today that I think will help us. And the first one is this. Money will reflect what matters to us. Money will always reflect what matters to us. Luke 6, 21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to ask, what do you prioritize with your money? What are you spending your money on? See, money is a massive source of what our actual priorities are. It shows us what matters to us. It shows us what we care about. You know, and what matters to you might not be what matters to me. I want to encourage you, if you're single in this room, that you should find out what matters to you because your money should serve the purpose that God has given you in life. And if money is there to serve purpose and fulfill God's purpose for you, then you need to align what matters to your purpose. If you're here in a relationship, then it's important to know what matters to the other person that you're in a relationship with. What are you going to invest your money in? What are you going to spend your money in? What are you going to sow your money into? What are you going to do with your money? And actually answer this question, where does God and faith fit in how I use my money? How am I going to answer the question of how much is it important to me about tithing? You know, John and I sometimes see couples and they get married and then they, they get married and they haven't asked this question of where does tithing come into our relationship? And the truth is that often sometimes one person in the relationship will stop coming to church I kind of wonder that if the question had just been asked, do you tithe, do you believe in tithing, that perhaps they would have understood where the person's heart was really at. Because if we're willing to tithe, we're showing God, my, you're where my heart is, and I'm willing to put my treasure there. Look, let's make sure that while we're dating, while we're getting to know one another, we actually ask those questions of what are our priorities. Because remember that where we're placing our, mad, our money is an issue of the heart. It is an issue of the heart. Dating couples, find out your priorities. You know, John preached a great message a little while ago, and it was called, What Matters to You Matters to Me. And I think in our relationships, if we can understand that, then we can move forward at great speed. Because if we can make what matters to you matter to me, then I think we can have harmony in our relationships. You know, can we get on the same page with what really matters? The second thing this morning is that conflict, conflict in a relationship comes from a lack of clarity and a lack of charity. I would believe that if you're fighting, if you're in an endless circle where you're at each other in a relationship, things are, are tense. I mean, we want to avoid tension in relationships, but conflicts come. But let's not let the conflicts come from our decisions around money, because money can be a great source of conflict, and I believe that conflict comes because we don't have clarity and we don't have charity. We don't have generosity to one another. You know, often uh, couples come together, but they haven't got clear expectations around their money. See, for instance, how do hobbies and hair fit together? What's really more important? Some people are saying hair, and some people are saying hobbies. <laughs> but, you know, we're weighing up a haircut or a new golf club. How does it work? What, what really matters to us? Look, what areas of our spending will come as a surprise to our spouse? You know, what are they going to be surprised that we went and purchased? Perhaps that moment when you go to use your FPOS card and there is no money in the account that you expected to spend and you get the declined, perhaps that shows there is a lack of clarity. There might just be some conflict when you go to spend the money 
and somebody else has already spent it. If we have clarity around what we're going to spend our money on, then it will actually resolve a lot of conflict before it happens. You know, maybe, maybe we actually have a lack of clarity because we don't want to face up to the tough conversations. You know, sometimes in marriage, we're trying to just make everyone happy, uh, but we're not talking to people about the issues. Hey, you're actually spending too much every week. Look, hey, we're all going to go over budget every so often, but maybe if it's a pattern every week, we need to sit down and talk about this. You know, this is going to cause some issues. Maybe, you know, you've set a budget and it's unrealistic and you're trying to achieve goals, but you can't. And so you need to also sit down and have the conversation, hey, we need to reassess this. In our relationships, we have to be willing to pull the tooth, face up to the tough conversations, tell people that, that this isn't working out, be willing to front up, or we'll end up in a cycle where we get frustrated. We're annoyed at each other, but we haven't just talked it out. We haven't sat down and communicated about it. Somebody in this room, pull the tooth, be honest, have a tough conversation. You know, if you're single or if you're married, it's important to get clarity, what is the money that you have there for? What do you want it to do? What is it there for? It's got to serve the purpose that you have in life. You know, the second reason, the thing that can generate conflict is a lack of charity. And this one's not very nice, is it? It's when we're selfish around the money that we receive. You know, perhaps we want to choose to get out there and as soon as the money hits the account, we're out there racing to the shops with our FPOS card. I want to get there first. I want to get there first. If I get there first, then I win. I can get the shoes. They will have to wait. It's going to cause some tension in our relationships if we're racing out the door because we want to get the first shot at the pool of money. And who knows, it's not always overflowing. So, you know, once one person has used it, that can be it. You know, we need to choose together what we're going to spend our money on. And we actually need to live according to the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let's apply that golden rule in our money and start thinking about the other person's needs. How can we love and just be a taker? We have to love and give. We have to love and give. You know, fear will always make us want to get things for ourselves. It does. It's the reality that we want to see our needs provided for but we have to choose to love and give and sacrifice. I've got to say, I'm probably not the strong one in my relationship at this in the early days, but John sure was. And he was always so generous and he made sure, he was, he was very kind and he made sure that all my needs were met before he met his own. And you know, that was such a, a beautiful thing for me. He didn't let selfish behavior dictate his actions. And he, he was so generous towards me. You know, the re reality was that because he was generous towards me, then I was actually doing my best with the budget. I wasn't blowing the budget. I wasn't trying to um, expand what we were spending. I was trying to be economical. I did my best to live within the boundaries that we set because I knew that he was being generous to me. And so I think when we start to sow into each other, we understand that we can improve how we're doing. We can manage our conflict if we would be generous. And, you know, the truth is that if we love someone, we want to give to them. We want them to prosper. And so we must communicate around our money. <laughs> you know, um, one of the things that we did was we wouldn't spend over an, a certain amount without agreement. So we would send each other a text message, 
And if we had a, were spending over a certain amount back in the early days, I, I think it was like $30. It was small beginnings, humble beginnings, other than what was approved in our budget, that is. So, you know, you've got your grocery money or so on. But if we were spending beyond what we'd already approved, then we had to text one another and say, hey, are you happy with this? Because the truth is that anything we agree on is going to produce harmony. You know, how awful is it when somebody comes home with something brand new that's rather expensive and it's a surprise. Let's avoid those surprises. And I'm especially talking to those men with hobbies. Oh, I just had to get the golf clubs. They were on sale. And I'm talking to the women at the dress shops as well. I mean, those shoes, they were so reduced. It was a bargain. Just saying I found a couple of bargains this week myself. <laughs> had a nice new dress for my niece's 21st. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, John. <laughs> But, you know, we actually really need to be charitable when we make mistakes because we're going to make mistakes as well in this area. There are going to be moments where we, we get it wrong and we need to be charitable. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you've heard the story, but not this Christmas, but last Christmas, my parents gave my son, Will, an amazing Christmas present. They gave him a card with a cat with a Christmas hat on it, and inside the card was a crisp, brand-new $100 note. Oh, they had gone especially to the bank to get a brand new note. It was, it was really carefully chosen. Will, of course, was overjoyed at having his own $100 note, and he thought it was marvelous. Now, we were going away on Christmas holidays, and so I thought, my gosh, how amazing would it be if the one time in my life I could come back from holiday and not have to dismember the Christmas tree? How amazing would it be if I could come home to a perfect house? I mean, that's the dream state for every woman, not to come back from holiday to a whole pile of work in your house. I thought, just once, I will set a goal of coming home to a perfect house. So I took down my tree. And then I decided, you know what, I'll just clear out all the Christmas cards as well. Unbeknownst to me, Will had proudly displayed his cat Christmas card on the mantelpiece and left inside it the $100 note. You know, you know it. You know it. So into the wheelie bin that day as I was in my cleaning frenzy, along with the Christmas leftover dinner that couldn't remain in the fridge for two weeks, which we'd had salmon that year, so, oh, hello. Into the wheelie bin went Will's Christmas card. About halfway through my holiday, I had a slight sinking feeling <laughs> as I wondered what had happened to Will's $100 note. And when I got home, we searched the house vainly. There was no sign of this money. So you know where it was, in that wheelie bin with the Christmas leftovers. I want to ask you, what would you do? What would you do? Because you know who's going to have to pony up with the money if it doesn't show up and it won't be the grandparents. <laughs> They're not going back to the bank. So, I made John, I made John, I know, go out, <laughs> dig through a two-week-old bin. <laughs> I know, I'm just, it's so gross, I hope you don't lose respect. Um, but he made me go and watch for moral support <laughs> and to, to explain to him which bag of rubbish it might possibly be in. And as he started pulling out the rubbish, the smell, I was standing a few feet away. 
I actually videoed it, but don't tell him. It was so funny. <laughs> I won't show you today, so, you know, we'll keep the respect high. But there he was, and, and actually he started gagging, and I was like a few feet away, and I started gagging. We kept going for a few minutes, and in the end, basically, we had to give up. <laughs> Can I say, there was no small amount of conflict as the bin was being dug through, and, and, and you know, perhaps it's just a small measure of blame. However, I'm happy to say that once we had showered, post the bin trauma, all was forgiven. There was charity. There was kindness. You know, and look, you know, we can hold things over one another when we make mistakes, and we can make people feel terrible, but the truth is I'm sure you've got something hanging in your wardrobe that you've never worn. <laughs> I'm sure we've all made mistakes, and we've got to be charitable when that moment happens. Amen? The third thing this morning is decisions. Decisions are really important. Make them and don't break them. Unity is the goal. Unity around our decisions. Unity in our relationships. The more that you decide in a relationship, the more you decide together, the better. See, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. But when we have unity, then we can actually see God bless what we're doing with our money at a much greater level. Decisions that we make together are empowering. I want to encourage every person, have a budget. Make a budget. Make a plan. The Bible says people without a vision perish. Write down the vision and make it plain. See, our money, whether we believe it or not, is revealing our vision. And if we can write down the plan we have, we're actually writing down the vision and aligning it with the purpose God has for us. Decide it together. Plan it together. Create it together. Have a budget. If you're single, everybody needs a budget. If you're going to achieve what God has for you, you need a budget. You need a plan for your future. You know, a good budget that you've already decided relieves stress and emotional pressure when things happen that are unexpected. You know, we all need boundaries. We need clearly labeled accounts. We need to build up money that accrues to cover those unforeseen moments. But you know, how do you make a budget? I'll just say this. There's lots of things on the internet. There's lots of amazing people in our church family who would love to help and, and help you put together a budget if you would be have the humility to do that. What are the big rocks? What are the big rocks? What are the things that you all need? And then once you've figured out the big rocks, then you can fit in all the rest around that. You know, I know that budgeting is not a skill for some people. We might not have studied accounting. It was not a skill for me when I got married. But it's a learned skill. It's actually something that we choose to learn. And, you know, we can let go of pride and help one another. You know, um, we're going to be running a life group after this that's going to talk about money next term. We're going to start life groups on God, money, and me. I know that on Flocks, uh, our general manager, David Monk, has done an amazing series on finance and money. But just get hold of wisdom. If it's a problem, if it's causing conflict, then be humble enough to seek help and advice. Let's move ahead and let's move away from conflict, making decisions that we can stick with. Make the decision and don't break the decision. The fourth thing this morning is that progress, progress creates positivity. You know, financial progress for a person or for a couple is usually small at the start. It doesn't usually turn out that we win lotto and become millionaires overnight. The Bible's pretty clear. In Proverbs, it says this, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. And another translation says, He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Look, don't despise the day of small beginnings. 
Don't expect overnight miracles in your finance, just little by little. But all progress can bring positivity. And the more progress that we have, the more we're inspired to make progress. It becomes a cycle of positive reinforcement. Look, let's work to reduce debt. Maybe you're single in this room. Maybe you're thinking about your future or you want to get married. I want to encourage you, reduce as much debt as you can or save as much as you can. Look, it would be such a blessing, wouldn't it, to go into a relationship without debt? Wouldn't that be an amazing goal? You know, um, poor John, I didn't come in with any money when we got married. I was definitely a good spender and a good giver. In fact, about two weeks before we got married, I emptied my whole account into an offering. I thought, John will take care of me. It'll be great. But of course, he didn't have much money either. <laughs> we survived. <laughs> but look, if you could start with something, how great would that be? Or at least if you could maybe move forward from debt, because I think it would be so wonderful. It would be a gift for your future, yeah? Look, I want to encourage you to set goals, celebrate milestones, have saving targets, pay off your mortgage, have a fund for emergencies. Goal setting and reaching the goals is life-giving. It'll fill your relationship with positivity, little by little, just a little bit of progress, just step by step. Just begin, start somewhere. Pay off the smallest debt first, then the next debt if you're in debt. Just start to see progress, set those goals, achieve those milestones, and God will continue to bless you and prosper you. Because remember that he has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, but a plan to bless you. One way that John and I began to progress was we took hold of this concept called closing the circle of your living. So your circle of, your li of living is what you need to live on. It's all the foundations of what you have to spend to live. So you take your circle and you close it. And then if you receive incremental pay rises or if you receive unexpected income, then rather than suddenly expanding your circle and spending everything that comes in, You've already chosen not to spend any more, and you instead create margin. You create margin, and that's what we want to do, is we don't want to spend everything. We want to have margin and increase and let that happen. But so often, we're so tempted when our circle of, we want to expand our circle of living when we have more income. Hey, we've been living in a one-bedroom cottage. Let's get a three-bedroom. Hey, we've got a pokey lounge. Let's get something bigger. Hey, our car, well, let, let's get the, a, a new and nicer car. You know, we begin to just let those incremental changes, but they don't benefit us. If we can keep our circle of living closed as much as possible, obviously children are going to expand that circle. Uh, obviously there's going to be things that are going to keep expanding it, but as much as possible, I want to encourage you, close your circle because progress will empower your purpose. You know, John and I were able to keep our circle of living closed and it was an ultimate blessing because we started off living on nothing. Then we went to one salary and then we actually went to two salaries. We were dinkies, double income, no kids. Great season. But I'm telling you right now, we kept our circle closed. We stayed in a one-bedroom cottage. So we were able to save my whole salary. We were able to save it. And do you know what? Progress will lead to your purpose. See, when God called us to Wellington, we had money in the bank. We could fulfill what God was calling us to do because we hadn't spent everything that had come in. I want to encourage you, close your circle. Close your circle because progress will enable you to fulfill your purpose. The fifth thing is lack creates pressure. And I'm going to have to keep moving a bit faster here. Lack creates pressure. 
What do we do when we're living in the pressure? It's like we're in the greatest showman. Never enough, never, never, never enough. I mean, we all feel like that, right? I mean, Paul Barnum, he was driven into the circus because he didn't have enough money. <laughs> it's a very tough, demoralizing place to be in when we are under financial pressure. And the truth is that every person and every couple will go through a season of financial pressure due to whatever happens in life. You know, but the truth is that we can be under financial pressure because of the choices that we make or simply because of circumstances. Things happen that are unforeseen. But what we need to do, so maybe we get made redundant or we lose our job or whatever happens that's very difficult for us. We need to do two things when we're under pressure. We need to use lack to create change. We don't just accept lack, we make the changes. What do we do? We do all that we can to make the changes and we get all the help that we can to make changes. Because other people might see things differently to us. What could we change? What are the choices that we could make? Maybe we could get a border if we've, if we've got a house. Maybe if we're single and we're out flatting. Sorry, parents, you're going to love me for this. But maybe you could move back home and enjoy some of that good home cooking of mums. <laughs> Save yourself eating those two-minute noodles. Much healthier. Can we make a packed lunch every day? Can we find a recipe book that's really easy? I've lived one whole year out of one cookbook called Destitute Gourmet. I made every recipe in the book. It's actually a good cookbook, but it was how we survived. There are ways and things that we can do. Is the pressure because we can't stop the spending? We've got a buzz from spending. Then we need to change that habit. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. Could you withdraw cash rather than taking your FPOS card around? Could you withdraw the cash? And then when the money's gone, the money's gone, people. Maybe uh, you have a credit card. Could you do this? Could you take your credit card? I mean, it's a bit of a hack, but whoops, I've got a very big chili bin lid. This has been done by people, including me. It's true. Could you take your credit card and literally freeze your spending? Put a freeze on those accounts today. <laughs> Could you do that? See, it's actually good because who wants to cut up their card? Then you have to pay for a new card. Oh, that's silly. $10. And you can't microwave that either because the chip will set fire to your microwave. <laughs> but what that means is by the time it's defrosted, you'll really know if you want to buy that thing or not. <laughs> Seek out help to get change. Proverbs 17, 16. What use is money in the hand of a fool? What use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? Seek out help. Seek out wisdom. It is available. And also I want to say if you're under financial pressure, if you're in lack, don't give up. Don't quit on your future. Don't believe it can never change because remember, God has a plan for your future that he wants you to be blessed. The sixth thing this morning is that money problems can be a heart problem. Money problems can be a heart problem. Dave Ramsey said this, and he's a great um, Christian follower on money. He says this, personal finance is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge. It turns out my financial problems were a heart problem, not a head problem. See, we actually have to answer the question, what's driving us? What drives us to spend more, want more? What are fears that are actually manifestly involved in our spending and in our budgets? Perhaps in our relationships, we're too tight with the other person because we're afraid of the future. Perhaps that fear is unfounded, and so instead of being generous with our budget, we've got far too 
many screws on that budget, and it's going to create tension and conflict. But perhaps on the, on the flip side, our identity is tied to our money. So we have to have the latest and greatest shoes. We have to go out and buy the most expensive shoes on the market. And if we don't have the latest and greatest, then we don't feel like we're going to fit in. We have to deal with our fears of rejection. We have to deal with the impulses that drive us. We have to actually deal with what's going on in our heart if we want to move ahead with our money. You know, we can have fears that our kids won't have what they need. We can have a fear of not being able to keep up with the neighbors, keeping up with the Joneses. It's real. But the Bible says don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Those who do that are not wise. It doesn't matter what the other person has. What it matters is that we're actually having peace and harmony, that we have enough to live on. And beyond that, we can begin to see little by little that God will increase what we have if we steward it well. Comparison is the thief of joy. Look, money, the Bible's very, 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 very clear. Money will never fulfill our needs. Money will never make us secure. Why is that? Because money is not secure. See, God says, don't trust in horses. He's saying, don't trust in what you have. Trust only in God. You know, money is based on an economy which is not necessarily stable. We can't place our trust in an economy. We place our trust in God and in His kingdom. I want to encourage us all that if we're getting security by how much money we have in the bank, then perhaps we need to reassess our source. What is the source? What are we depending on? Money can't be our source of security or we will always feel like we never have enough, no matter how much we accumulate. And we'll be driven to keep on accumulating. We won't want to stop. We'll always think we need more because we're still not secure, because money will never make us feel secure. Perhaps it causes us to be miserly, but we also have to guard against greed. We are in a culture where money is the God. Money is the idol that people worship. We think idol worship doesn't happen. We're ignorant. Money is the idol that this culture worships. And we have to, the Bible says, guard our heart against greed. As Christians, we're given the warning to guard against greed. Just a continual desire for more. Be content. If we can find contentment, if we can find security, then I believe in our emotional state, we can actually produce much greater peace and much greater wisdom when it comes to what we're spending our money on. Jesus said to us, you can't serve both God and money. He's not trying to get our money. He's trying to get our heart and he's trying to get our freedom. See, we have to understand that wealth is not what we trust in, not the religion that we subscribe to and not what we give our worship to. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's saying to us in that scripture, surely I am enough for you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Surely your God is enough. We don't need more of the world. We need more of God. What is driving us today? Is it fear? Is it discontent? Is it the love of money? Or is it purpose and trust and the love of God and our love for others? Let's not let our negative emotions and our negative beliefs undermine our relationships or undermine our future. The seventh and the last thing, and if the band can come and join me, is this. We need to live to leave a legacy. Live to leave a legacy. Rick Warren, and this is one of my favorite quotes. I'm sure you've often heard me quote this because this lives in my heart. Rick Warren says, life is a test, a trust, and a temporary assignment. Life is a test, a trust, and a temporary assignment. See, we're not here for ourselves. 
We're not here to accumulate for ourselves. The goal is not worldly gain. The goal is kingdom purpose fulfilled. The goal is that we would walk in what he has for us. And money is a tool to achieve that. It is not the end goal. It is a tool to get us to the goal. So we have to adopt a different mindset. You know, as a single person, we can label ourselves, I'm a spender. We can say, I'm a saver. In a relationship, quite often you'll have this dichotomy where we say, one person, you're the saver, and I'm the spender, and that's just fine. Look, I want to encourage every person, don't be a saver. No, it sounds good. That's, surely that's the good one. What are you saying, Gillian? Don't save money? No. Don't be the saver, and don't be the spender. What do you need to be then? You need to be a steward. God calls each and every one of us to be a steward, that we would take care of what He gives us, that we would multiply it. See, people were given talents of money, and Jesus came back and inspected what they did with the money. Look, we often talk about that being gifts, but also in reality, it was money. And He said, what have you done with it? Have you produced a return? Have you invested in and received a harvest from your money? What's the harvest of righteousness that will come from what Jesus is giving us? Be a steward. Be a steward that you might actually produce a legacy, a legacy for the kingdom. Hey, here, we're building buildings all across the country right now, up in Whangarei, here in Christchurch. We've got a project underway. We're renovating a building. We're seeing increase. We've bought land. God is on the move in so many ways. But you know what? That's people who are sowing into a vision, people with a view that little by little money grows. And maybe, just maybe, my money could serve a purpose of building the kingdom of God building something that's going to be lasting and eternal. Jesus said, build up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. You know, when we give, we actually build an eternal legacy. We're actually building an eternal legacy. And you know, the other thing that's amazing about the Bible, which I absolutely love, the Bible says a wise man, a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Do you think that means that God wants us to only have enough that we would live forever just scraping to get by, that we would have conflict around our money. No, God wants us to increase enough that we would leave a generational legacy. And what that means is that every piece of income we receive, God is not thinking is just for us. He sees our money and our wealth as generational. He sees it as generational and as legacy. So let's steward it wisely. Let's manage it wisely. Let's look after what God entrusts to us so that we would see the purpose that He has for us fulfilled. This purpose matters more than anything we could think or accumulate. You know, people who are on their deathbed, I don't think they're dying saying, I wish I had more money. Wish I'd bought that latest car. Wish I could drive one more time in my car with the rooftop open and my golf clubs out the back. And with my hair in a Gucci headband and <laughs> diamond earrings dropping from my, my ears. Nobody thinks that when they're on their deathbed. What do they think? <laughs> they think, I hope I fulfilled what God had for me to do. I wish I maybe had more time. I wish I could spend more time with people. People don't think about spending more money. They think about spending more time. I want us all to consider money is there to serve the purpose that God has for us. So let's choose to be people that deal with the conflicts, pull the tooth, have a budget, have a plan. Be people that are wise with what God gives us. And I promise us that we can see our financial world increase and move forward in ways that we can't imagine. You know, I want us right now across every auditorium right now to stand to your feet.
Stand to your feet in this room. Maybe this is an area of conflict in your relationships. Maybe this is an area of struggle, even as a single person, to stop that habit of spending. Maybe there's some drives that we aren't seeing the progress that we want because we're actually just compelled to spend what we have. I really believe that we need to bring that to God and we need to pray about it, that He would perhaps take our insecurities or in a relationship that we'd be willing to find clarity, that God would give us wisdom, that He would give us right counsel. So across every service right now before we release the campuses, I'd like to pray and believe that we could move forward, that God could give us a vision for our future that's full of blessing and that perhaps in the areas where we need freedom, that we would find it today. So why don't you close your eyes across every room. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every person listening to this message this morning. God, I thank you that your plan is to prosper us. Your plan is to build our lives in such a way we would leave legacy. Father, I pray right now for every person who's motivated by fears or insecurities or driven to spend. Father, I ask that you would cause us to feel secure in you. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You are enough. Father, I ask that you would cause us to feel deeply secure in your love today, that we would no longer be driven, but instead know, know your love pouring into our lives. Father, for every uh, couple in this room, Father, where there's conflict around money, where there's pressure around finance, Father, I ask that there would be godly season of change. I pray, Father, for divine change. I pray for order in the Spirit. I pray, Father, for good boundaries. Surely the lines, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Father, I ask for wisdom of heaven to surround them. I ask for conflict to cease. Let peace come. Father, I pray for open communication that, God, You'd cause us to connect at a heart level. Father, let Your blessing be on Your church. I thank You that we sow into this great vision and we build and leave a legacy. God, let us be stewards in Your kingdom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at Gillian Cameron.